on this week's show, a record breaker, Ian Draycott, tells us all about his 142nd goal for Folks and Invicta. Yeah, I think it'll be one of those where I look back, maybe once I've hung the boots up, and it'll probably sink in and mean a little bit more. So far, so good in the league. Market manager Jay Saunders on how his side are exceeding his expectations at the start of the campaign. My target was to get in and around if we could the playoffs. Um, if we could do that, it'd be an unbelievable achievement. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Kent Only Podcast, the show which, unlike one of its hosts at least, isn't about to run out of fuel this week. Uh, an interesting week, mainly due to off-field issues that caused a raft of postponements, but we've got some good chat coming up for you and a pair of very interesting interviews that we hope you will enjoy. I'm John Phipps, who's taken up walking pretty sharpish by the looks of things, and on the line now is a man who I reckon would give up his last gallon of petrol to anyone who asked him nicely. It's my good friend, Matt Gerrard. Hi, mate. Pass your bedtime, this, isn't it? Is, is, is this a world record for the latest time we've ever recorded it? We must yeah. Yeah, it's, it so it's, it's late on a Wednesday evening with the temperatures getting dropped down. I've been watching the Champions League. I know you've been on there and now it's got some sort of wrestling on. So oh. I need to... Uh, yes. Like Greco-Roman well, or... Yeah. So there you go. Uh, well, are, you sure, are you sure you've stayed on BT Sport and not switched on to like Babe Station or something? Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to have to turn that off because that's going to distract me. From uh, watching it, I've turned that off now. Uh, yeah, not too bad, mate. So you, you're struggling with fuel, are you? Well, I've got about 20 miles of fuel left in my car, and uh, I've got absolutely no way of filling up because all the petrol stations are empty. Um, so I don't really know how I'm going to uh, how I'm going to do anything. I, I don't need any petrol at the moment, uh, but I will need some pretty sharpish. I'm, I'm supposedly going away at the weekend. Uh, on Sunday for a couple of nights, and at the moment I ain't going nowhere. Uh, is it? Oh, uh, I did it. I've we've got two cars. I've managed to fill. Oh, get you! Oh, how the other half live? Got two cars. It's, it's, and uh, so I managed to small the, the small car. I've managed to fill up, um, which from there, but it is carnage in Thanet, unsurprisingly, because it normally is. So there's nothing. The nearest one, right? Tesco's and Sainsbury's are just gridlocked all the time but I think some people said that it's coming in but it seems to be sort of when people see a tanker they just like the whole world turns up but how close is your nearest station and what's the chance of getting any? Uh, well I mean I've got obviously because I live in quite a big town I've got quite a few petrol stations about but most of them haven't got any there's one up by my mum and dad's house funny enough and they've had no petrol since Saturday up there um, but it is just oh it's just insane like literally people are all over Facebook saying they want to have all this. They want that they need to go. These are how long you got queue to get here. This petrol station's got this. This petrol station's got this. And honestly, I I don't have time to go up and queue up. I might have to tomorrow because you know I need, need to get some petrol at some point. But the thing is, if it's a thirty quid limit as they're doing at some petrol stations, that's no good to me because I've got to go further than that. Um, but they I, can't I, what, enforce that, can they? That's what they're doing in some places. What I don't understand though is. Every person that I've seen on Facebook and Twitter, none of them were panic buyers, and they're definitely not the reason why there's no petrol. Well, someone is. Someone's gone out and done it, and it's very much like um, the last time there was a petrol crisis, which was in the year 2000. I wouldn't say. I remember um, that. Yeah, I remember it as well. I'd I'd been driving about a year, and my car at the time was still on four-star petrol. You remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember like ringing around some petrol stations to find out if anyone had some. Unfortunately, they had four stars. They didn't have any unleaded. 
but it was it's the same thing as it is now there's not a shortage of petrol it's just in different places normally it's in the petrol tankers at the moment it just happens to be in everybody's cars and there's all these silly buggers have gone up and filled up their cars for no reason and they're sitting there with it with full tanks of petrol and then people who actually need petrol you know now are the ones who are really struggling because we've not panic bought we've just waited until we need it where are you supposed to be going what, you, is it is it a thing that you lose money because you can't go well i mean i probably would be able to transfer the hotel but we're supposed to be going to bristol um so we, we've got no we're, well we could, no because we're taking um we've got someone staying from bristol at the moment and we're taking them home that's part that's the reason why we're going um so oh, it's, it's a bit it's a it's a right old two and eight mate to be honest with you so you would just be would you go with a jerry can to fill it up because you might not you could be driving around with 20 miles and that's going to go pretty deep pretty damn quick well i don't know i don't know what i'm going to do i mean i, I genuinely i mean 30 quid will get me to bristol and then i should be able to get back and uh, and then uh, apparently in other parts of the country it's not so bad but here in eastbourne it's it's just shocking yeah, it's but i'm hoping East, apparently yeah so, i'm hoping yeah, by saturday sunday it'll all have calmed down because where where can all this petrol go yeah that's true so no so it's well we wouldn't have thought well i, I blame you know whoever put this on the media it was just mental when all oh, mate boris saying oh it's all okay it's not you know it's just ridiculous so Hopefully you can get that because you know hope you enjoy your day up. But yeah, I'm I'm off to Folkestone on Saturday, but I've got enough to get there. But yeah, crazy. Well, if that game goes ahead, because obviously the team they're playing have got a long way to come, and this is the problem. I mean, we've had enough problems with stuff being called off for COVID, and now it's all being called off because of this darn petrol crisis. What is going on in the world? Anyway, it's our 184th episode this week, and apparently that's all about Haitian politics this week. The sort of knowledge we could all use brushing up on, surely. Uh, the group of 184 was a group of Haitian individuals and organisations in a variety of sectors, ranging from business and the economy to media and education, that was united in opposition to John Bertrand Aristide and his Fanmi Lavalas party. The name, unsurprisingly, derives from the number of organisations in the group and frequently was shortened to G184. It was formed specifically to oppose Aristide's government and was led by Andre Apeid, a Haitian businessman. So there you go, Matt. Uh, Haitian politics. Did you think we'd ever be talking about that and petrol on the same show? No, all I'm about the Haitian thing is like voodoo, isn't it? James Bond. I think that's, that's a, all I know. Bit, I, th- I, I think, and I don't, I think that's a little bit of a sweeping generalisation, Matt. Yeah, I don't know if we've got any Haitian, but that's that, Haiti, because that's when we watched um, Romesh went to Haiti, and I think he used to be a bit like that. But it, yeah, it's supposed to be a nice country, but everybody thinks it's about voodoos and James Bond, because I think that he went there, didn't he? But yeah, sweeping. Sorry, if you are. are Haitian, listen. That I do apologise and don't put a voodoo thing in of me if that's what they do in it. Voodoo dolls. Well, that's the last thing. Well, Live and Let Die was the James Bond film, of, uh, of course, where he went to uh, to see to, to Haiti. Um, are, are well, you a Bond James Bond? Just what we said in there. Um, I've seen. I've only seen a couple actually. I've, I saw. I went to the cinema to see one when I was at uni. The one with um, with Madonna did the song for. Um, and then I saw, I watched Skyfall on a plane coming back from New York, I think. So, um, did you go and watch the new one? I probably won't. No, it's supposed to be quite good though. All the reviews are quite, quite yeah, impressive. Yeah. It goes on for a long time. I, 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 yeah, we try to avoid cinemas because that's probably COVID central as well, especially when yeah. it will be 
everybody turning up there. But yeah, I, 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 if I do go to the cinema and it's not watching a kids' film, James Bond would be high on my list. So I couldn't actually think of a other film I haven't been that's not a kids' film. So, but my, my well, both my kids could probably watch it, but they they might get bored after sitting there for three hours, which I think it nearly is. So, but no, no I don't mind a bit Bond. Yeah, the only thing that bothers me is when people start saying now, oh, who's going to be the next Jane Bond? But it should be her. It should be her. And it's like, you know, I, I don't get the the whole rush for there to be for everything to be changed. You know, oh, well, there should well, should there be a woman being James Bond? No, it's James Bond. You know, let's write. And if we want to have a, a a woman spy character, let's write a new spy character who's a woman. There's no need to to force it in, is there? No, no. Yeah, James Bond is a man, so you know, I don't. What would they call that? Isn't it? I don't know. But no, James Bond is a bloke, so hopefully Idris Elba gets it because I like Idris Elba. Yeah, I think he'd be a good shout. Uh, someone, yeah, he, I think he would be very good um, in the role. So that'd be good. It would be good if that was the case. Anyway, on with the show, and let's go Roy Castle for a second or two. You want to be a record breaker? Well, that's just what our first guest is. On Saturday, Andre Cott notched his 142nd goal for Folks and Invicta, overtaking Jimmy Dryden's record. It was a bit of a shame for him and Invicta that they let a three-goal lead slip as they were held to a draw by Potters Bar Town, Draycott scoring the second from the penalty spot. But nonetheless, it's an incredible achievement from Draycott, who scored his 142 goals in just over seven years at the club. After that incredible achievement, it seemed only fair to get him on the show. So fresh from actually buying some petrol... He was Folks and Victor's record goal scorer, Ian Draycott. Obviously, a good achievement. Um, I am proud of it. I think it'll be one of those where I look back, maybe once I've hung the boots up, and it'll probably sink in and mean a little bit more um, once I have finished playing. Uh, at the minute, it's more of a case of number one, still want to get more goals, uh, and obviously, still hopefully achieve a bit more over the next few years. Are you going to do the whole sort of team player thing and say to me that you'd rather have, have won the game and not scored on Saturday? Um, well, I'd like to think I was going to score at some point. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, obviously it's disappointing. Um, come away to be 3-0 up at home. Uh, it's potentially going to be after 60-odd minutes. It looks as though it's going to be a, the perfect story, if you like. Um, I've scored one, set up two, winning 3-0. Become the all-time top goal scorer, and then we uh, yeah had a little tip, we say. Um, at the end of the game, it was a bit yeah a little bit disheartening, a bit flat in the changing room, a bit flat up in the in the bar. Uh, and it would have been nice to be obviously different emotions, but um, obviously want to see things settle down. Down again, I think it's one I can reflect on a little bit later on. You've been at Folkson for seven years or so. You've scored these goals at a pretty phenomenal rate. 20 a season, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a, a brilliant first two seasons that set me on the way. Um, when we were in Ryman South, uh, and we were playing two up front. Um, that suited me and suited my game. And we were obviously one of the better teams in the division. So I ended up getting a lot of goals the first two seasons. We then obviously got promoted and... It becomes a little bit harder in a harder league. Um, so it's been a bit more challenging since then. We've also changed our formation. Um, so I play a bit deeper at these days. Um, but still, my job is still to chip in with the goals. It must have been a brilliant few years for you at Folkestone as well, because you've always been in and around the top of the table, and that's a massive credit to, to both Neil Cugley and the squad that you've got there, because so many of you have been there all the way through this journey. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, even me when I sat down with Cubs like years ago, um, we had two targets, really. Number one was to get promoted. Um, I think just before I'd come in, uh, I think they'd been in the playoffs, had lost in the playoffs the previous two or three years. Um, so they were a side that, number one, I knew were going to be up there. Um, but when I sat down with Cubs, he said, well, number first thing first, we need to get promoted. Um and second of all, obviously, for me to achieve from a personal level, number one, get into the club and show what I can do. Um, and number two, yeah, get some goals that will hopefully push us towards that promotion. And you must you must love that. I mean, I know you're obviously on a loan spell at Chatham, but I guess folks in Victor feels like home to you. Yeah, it does. Uh, and like I said earlier, the amount of games and the, the personnel down there, we've all been there a long time. Um, I think it was only last week we had a look and... Uh, Keeper had been there eight years. Uh, I think we played back three, and they'd all been there um, five, six years. Midfield, I mean, even on Saturday, I think me, Ronnie, and Herdy, we've all been there seven years. So the amount of games that we've got um, under our belt is, yeah, it's phenomenal, really. And it does show that um, once you join Folkestone, uh, it's obviously a nice club to be at because nobody wants to leave. And how much does that help your team spirit and everything in terms of the fact that you are sitting there and, and and you all know each other and everything like that? And that's why you're such a strong side and hard to beat, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, if you look through the season, I think we had maybe one or two each summer. Uh, so only a couple of changes. Uh, the spine of the team has stayed pretty consistent. Um, so it's not something where we're part-time and trying to find the hours of training to try and fit in and work together, work tactically and work on shape. Um, it's something that we all know now. Um, and it's just refining those roles within the team uh, and making sure that our, our fitness levels are right. And obviously the manager's a bit of a legend as well, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> uh, he's, uh, he's brilliant. Obviously everyone knows um, what he's done for the club, both on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, and even when he's saying now that uh, I think it's the proudest he's ever been and the best the club's ever looked right now. Um, and it deserves the next step. Um, if we're ever going to have a go at, at getting promoted from this league, it's this year. Obviously, away from the league this weekend. I know your game tonight's off anyway, but a big FA Cup tie against Gloucester City, a, a team who aren't in great form. Do, do you fancy an upset at the weekend? Definitely. Um, we were just looking for a home a home fixture, to be honest. We know we're good at home. Um, we've always been a strong outfit at home. I think clubs find it difficult to cut on a bit of the travelling and then when we get down there, we like to think we'll give anybody a game. Um, so getting a draw against a higher, higher league team, um, but we definitely fancy ourselves. Uh, we're on good form at the minute, or about the last half an hour on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I don't think we've got anything to be to be afraid of. Uh, I think we'll go out there and, and hopefully put on a show and get the result. Uh, and obviously, the FA Cup it must always be a great experience to be playing in the FA Cup, and, and you'd love to get to the first round, I'm guessing. Yeah. 100%. Um, FA Cup hasn't been nice for us at Folkestone, I must admit. Uh, I think even looking back the last four or five years, especially, um, we've always lost to a, a team lower lower league than us, often away from home. Um, and that was what we had last round. We had a league, a team away from home from a different league. Um, but we turned up on that day, so hopefully we can turn up again on Saturday. And just finally, obviously, you're delighted about the the goal record, but you're not finished yet, are you? No, no, certainly not. Um, yes, I'm getting older, uh, but at the same time, I still like to think I've got a part to play. Um, and I still want to get as many goals as I can and 
hopefully number one, another promotion this year, and number two, yeah, get as many goals as possible. You've got to say, Matt, that is a fantastic achievement uh, from Ian Draycott. And, and I, I couldn't believe it. I've, I've known he's been there a, a, a long time, but I didn't, I didn't realise he'd only been there seven years and he scored 142 goals. That's 20 goals a season. That, that's phenomenal to keep that record up for so long. I think I've seen him play when he played for Bedford. And I wanted to know what the reason brought him down here. I've seen, I'm sure I've seen him around before he played for Folkestone. But, yeah, you know, he is sort of a player who... You know, who you wouldn't sort of point pick when I've seen him play before. You wouldn't pick him out as a an out and out goal scorer. His overall gameplay is very very good. His link up play, but you know they're using him when all the strikers that Folkestone have had. We mentioned before Yusuf and people like that. Draycott, you know, helps them out as a player. So his number of assists is probably pretty high as well. But it's a fantastic achievement. You'd have thought Jimmy Dryden was a bit of a hero at Folkestone scoring that amount of goals. And somebody doing it, you don't really see much these days. Players staying there a long time, and uh, fair play to him as well. And shame we couldn't get the result on Saturday, but an unbelievable achievement. And fair play to the, the folks in, um, you know media team because they really got pushed it on social media. So I'm absolutely delighted for him. And look, as I mentioned earlier, looking forward to seeing him play Saturday. Yeah, and thanks to the folks in the media team for sorting out that interview as well, of course. But I, I thought he spoke really well, actually. Uh, really enjoyed that. And, and he says, you know, I'm playing a little bit deeper now, but I, I still want to keep scoring goals. And he, he wants to set a benchmark there. And you know, there was a time when it looked like his folks in career could be coming to an end when he went out on loan to Chatham. But he's come back. He's kept scoring goals. He's obviously adapted his game a little bit as well to to fit in. And I thought it was interesting. He said, you know what, well, when we were playing two up front, it was different. Now we're playing more of a three and I'm a little bit deeper. But you never lose that striker's instinct, do you? Oh, no, absolutely not. I'm sure he was pretty prolific for Bedford as well. I'm sure, he, he, you know, he'd come down, I presume his job's moved him down to the area. And really, it's been Folkestone's dream. And I say, he's been lucky. He's played with the Folkestone team. That the importance of that, as you mentioned, is as he mentioned in there, is that how many players have stayed at that club. So they know how each other plays, how to get his strengths out and the strengths of him from other things. So, yeah, really fantastic achievement. So fair play to them. And I hope, well, you'd have thought, when Jimmy Dryden did it, what, 15 or so years ago, that will never be beaten. And could be that if Ian Draycott can play the next couple of seasons, that it could be a record that could stand for a very long time. Absolutely. And, and folks in Victor are in a really good place uh, at the start of this season. And, and you're going to the game on Saturday against Gloucester City. And that one is absolutely ripe for an upset, isn't it? Yeah, they're not having a great start, Gloucester, which is good good because they're one of the teams who said that the, they should be promoted. So um, they lost one game, 9-0. I see the manager's been sacked. Um, again, it's a potential banana. Folks that have got to get into them and see if they can do it. Let's see, Lee Mansell's the new manager, I think it is, for, or he's the caretaker manager. On their day, Gloucester should beat Folkestone, but maybe it's Folkestone's year for the Cup. I think they haven't been past this once... And being, we mentioned before when he had Neil Cugley on that, you know, the FA Cup hasn't really been kind for him, but maybe this is the year for it. They had a tricky tie against Corinthian, we could have gone either way. Then they got through uh, the, the, the other round with them scoring some goals. But Gloucester at home, it's, it's a tricky one. It seems bizarre that they're playing a conference north side when they're in the south side of the draw, but that's what it is. But they'll do their homework, folks, and, and I'm sure there'll be a decent crowd there. And fingers crossed they can get a result if the game is on. Have you heard that? Games could be off then, John. Well, I don't know what's happening, but obviously there was a pretty blanket call-off of of games in the 
in the Scaffold and the Eastman League this weekend, this this midweek. And I just wonder, there's got to be a possibility that, especially with the distance involved, are Gloucester going to be able to get to folks? And because, you know, I don't know what the rules are now with uh, travelling on coaches. Do they need to bring more coaches? Will they have to... You know, I, I, I can see there being some issues at the weekend unless this nonsense is all sorted out. Yeah, I presume Gloucester would rather come down on the Saturday rather than a Tuesday night, which I would be arranged for. But when when will that change as well? But yeah, um, yeah. I'm, well, fingers crossed the game. I'm looking forward to it, and I think there'll be a cracking atmosphere at Cheriton Road. The Folkestone fans really get behind their team, and they'll be looking for a cup upset, and then then the fourth qualifying round, and then anything can happen, isn't it? And, I'm sure they'll be uh, clean if they get through to play against uh, a couple of the Kent sides in that. If they get through or whatever, yeah, but fingers crossed they can get results. I think there's one in particular, Matt, that they'd probably fancy yeah, playing exactly. ahead yeah, of all yeah, the others. Yeah, yeah. That, but, would, uh, that would be, uh, well, it would be good because there'll be a fantastic crowd for that. Um, but yeah, but no, but I, and I want to do it. I want, I want to do it for Neil Cugley. He deserves another, he, another, he deserves another FA Cup first round uh, appointment against a, a league club. So fingers crossed for him. But yeah, I'm pretty confident they can get results. I mean, obviously, it's it's it is a, a good opportunity and for, for an upset, and that, and that's the the big thing. And it's one of those results. That if they get the result, everyone will be looking at it, saying that that that, that 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 is a shock, that is an upset. But if you look at the league tables and at the starts of the season, it wouldn't be that big and that big a shock, would it? Because there's not far between them. No, no, uh, Gloucester. You, I think they were one of the favourites. We believe they had an absolutely shocking season. I think they lost nine nil in one game as well. So yeah, no, folks that have got absolutely nothing to lose, and I. Have, and of Gloucester, they've gone from one end of the country. I think their last game was against Gateshead, and now they're <laughs> playing Folkestone. So maybe those miles, you know, it's a long old trek for both of those games. But fingers crossed, Folkestone can do it. Yeah, uh, obviously a big weekend of FA Cup action. Well, it, it would be if more of our teams had, had got through. Uh, but let's talk about the big tie uh, from a Kent point of view, which is Dartford against Maidstone, or Maidstone against Dartford rather, uh, at the Gallagher Stadium. The, t- the top two teams in the National League South. Uh, that is surely set up to be an absolute stunner of a tie. And I'd imagine if you weren't at Folkestone, that would be your first choice of where to go at the weekend. Yeah, I think it's 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 a really good tie. Both sides playing well, scoring goals. And again, I think I think whoever wins, it puts down another marker, doesn't it? Right, we've done them in the cup. We can, you know, puts it in. Will it go either way? Both sides will be desperate to get to the first round. It, it should be a cracker. I, I think does think it puts down a marker for the league as well. If one of them can get a result, that really does them look good for the future as well. In that, yeah, we've done them in the cup. We can do them in the league, wherever it will be. I couldn't call this one. Maybe I'm thinking a replay, but I'm sure the crowd will be a very big crowd there. Great atmosphere. Dartford will still out their end. Maystone fans could do it. I couldn't call this one. Scoring goals for fun, Dartford aren't they? Averaging three a game. Maystone look pretty solid at the back as well. So, yep, yeah, absolute cracking tie. And shame it's in. Shame we're going to lose one of our t- one of our sides. But I couldn't call that one. If I had to, if, if I had to, maybe I'll go Maystone because of home advantage. But I, I'm betting on a replay on Tuesday night. I was going to say uh, that I was sort of in your camp. Say I'd yeah, I'd go home advantage Maystone. But you know, just because you've said that, I'm going to say Dartford. Uh, yeah. Dartford have been unstoppable so far this season, and I know Maystone have as well. But it's just a fantastic tie. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic uh, advert for Kent football. I'm pretty sure, uh, and a big crowd sure to pack into the Gallagher Stadium, and, and that's what it's all about with uh, with people being back. 
Yeah, I presume, uh, yeah, it's going to be the biggest one for a while, isn't it? Probably the biggest game crowd-wise for a couple of years or since COVID, since that's that's really good for both teams. So, fingers crossed, it'll be a cracking game. So, uh, yeah, I'm going replay. Absolutely. The other FA Cup tie involving one of our teams uh, on Saturday is Ebbsfleet United's trip to Aylesbury United. Uh, Going to be a, a an interesting one, that one, but I think Ebbsfleet will be confident uh, a team two leagues below them in the pyramid uh, that they, they should be going there and winning. So let's hope that they manage to to get there. Yeah, gather on the result they had the previous week scoring goals as well. Yeah, you fancy Ebbsfleet to get through to that as well. And bit of a banana skin against Aylesbury. Yeah, but you mentioned a side that's two leagues uh, below them. They should have enough for that. Yeah, and Ebbsfleet, again, as, as with all of our clubs, a cup run would be massive and they're all desperate to get into the next round because then you're one game away from, from a big television tie, aren't you? Yeah, there's some big clubs in uh, League One as well. So um, if you get any of them at home, there's a very good chance you'll get a good crowd and also you'd um, get a good chance for the television. So, yeah, very, I think it's probably important a lot this year as well because of the money constraints, you have that money coming in. One of those big ties can really sort your finances out. So it's doubly important this year. Yes, as we're talking about those clubs, let's quickly run through uh, what happened in the National League South over the past week. Uh, goals galore for our Kent team, but goals galore pretty much everywhere, uh, to be honest. But Welling uh, were beaten 6-0 at home by Dartford. We'll discuss Welling shortly. Uh, it was Bath nil, Maidstone 3. A uh, brilliant result for Tunbridge Angels on Saturday as they beat Dorking Wanderers 3-1. And then on Tuesday night, uh, Evsfleet beat the fuel crisis uh, to make it over to Chippenham. And I'm pr- probably pretty glad that they did uh, because they won 5-2 there to... to keep on the goal trail as well and that's, that's a really solid set of results for our teams obviously Welling excluded but one Kent team had to lose there but the, the, the standout result really even though Dartford have hit six is Tunbridge Angels beating Dorking Wanderers that's a, a, an absolutely brilliant win for them on Saturday yeah Dorking um, there's a, there is a fly in the wall documentary about Dorking have you seen it on YouTube I haven't yeah, my mate sent it to me so I did watch it a bit um I don't know the point of the document, but it's one of these things. Once you've started watching it for five minutes, you have to watch to the end. Um, fantastic result. And I haven't started particularly well, um, Dorkin, but it, I think on the back of that heavy FA Cup defeat, it was a you know a big game for Steve McKim. And I'm probably, I'm sure, outside of the dressing room, he was playing his players up, but I'm sure they, they had a good talking to and they re- responded as well. And I think it's a good sign of a good manager and a good team. That they had a fantastic result there, and I'm pleased for them again. Um, just got to keep following it up. I think I've got a game this week. Probably haven't because of the FA Cup, is it? Uh, yeah, no FA Cup this weekend. Uh, so, no game for them. so it's a shame on that, but um, yeah, but, yeah. All right, no, but, but, uh, yeah, Tom and James have got a game on Saturday. They're at home to Concord, a rearranged game, while Welling right. United are also in action uh, on oh, Saturday okay. as they travel to face Oxford. Yeah, no, yeah. So fingers crossed they can get um, another result there. You know, you've beaten the, the big sides, even though Concord having a decent season. Um, you'd be hoping that they can beat them as well and move them up the league. And soon that FA Cup defeat is long forgotten. It probably was forgotten straight away after the game by Steve McKim. But that's a great result against uh, against uh, Dorking, which is, and I was pleased for them as well. Knowing my friends, knowing what Dorking are like as well. Yes, uh, Welling United then, uh, obviously a, a really poor result for them. Uh, on Saturday, beaten 6-0 uh, at home by Dartford. Uh, not a great result. They conceded really early and it, and it never really got any better for them. But uh, among the spectators that day was Peter Taylor. Uh, and we had heard uh, on the grapevine that he was uh, a candidate for the job. 
and it was confirmed that he is in fact the new uh, Welling United manager. Now, many thanks here to Wings TV. Uh, Gavin Sutton has sent us through a piece um, where he's spoken to Peter Taylor. Um, we've borrowed a little snippet of this with thanks uh, to Welling United for this. Uh, but here is Peter Taylor explaining why he's taken the job. Um, well, I spoke, to be honest with you, when um, Steve Lovell came in, I spoke to Mark about a few things and about some players, to be fair. At the time, I was trying to help uh, the South End manager uh, get some players out on loan, uh, and I was talking to Mark about it and then talking to Steve about it. Uh, so that was my last <coughs> contact with him. And then all of a sudden, I got a phone call um, last, or two Sundays ago, and... Um, and, in, and Mark explained to me that Steve has decided to to uh, to leave. Um, would I be interested in having a look? So that's what I done. That's how it started. Uh, we had a cup of coffee the next day in Dartford. Um, I then agreed to come to the game on Saturday, and and then you know, <coughs> looking at the whole situation, um, you know, I saw a group of players that that were below par. Uh, but I decided to take on the challenge, and it is a challenge. It's a it's a big old challenge uh, because I think that it, it, there is plenty of work to be done. But I think it's achievable. It's an interesting one, Matt. And, and he he says there, you know, he knows it's going to be a challenge. Uh, it's going to be tough for them. But he obviously thinks he's he's got one more crack at it. And and you know, why not have a go at it? Does he really have anything to lose with where Welling are and where they've started? And and you know, it gives you something to do on a Saturday afternoon, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose once football's in your blood, um, you want to you want to keep doing it. And you know, I think he's sixty nine or something like sixty nine, so an experienced manager at higher levels. Um, he's done a lot for Kent football. Um, he wasn't put off by the six 0 defeat, which is um, <laughs> probably a, a good sign. But yeah, I, I presume he misses the, he misses the cut and thrust of it all as a, as a, as a player, as a manager. Um, and he'll come in and see if he can do a job that's going to be tough. Um, sounds like he's going to try and bring players in, look at the players he's got. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. It hasn't been very good for Welling over the last few years, but we sort of, you, you had wind of it. He was coming in, John, and he thought about it. And, you know, if he takes it after they lose six, then at home, we must see something in it. But no, good to see him back in it because... As he mentioned there, he was a manager in 1986, so you never lose that buzz, do you? What I would say about Peter Taylor is, obviously, in my previous life, I uh, supported a team that Peter Taylor managed. Uh, and Peter Taylor came into that team and he kept a lot of the same players, but he completely transformed the way they play football. And that was really, really impressive for me. That that was one thing that's always stuck with me. And the way he went on in his career and ended up at Leicester City and and... He got criticised for a lot of his signings that he made at Leicester, but I would always maintain that he was a really good coach, more so than a manager, if that makes sense. And I think he's the sort of person who can come in and look at some players and get the best out of them, get them changing the way that they're playing their football and and do it that way rather than making wholesale changes. I think he's the sort of man who can come in and just sort them out. And, and I wouldn't be shocked if they go and get some sort of result at Oxford on Saturday? No, I think, I think first of all, he'll make them hard to beat, which I think is probably what they need to, because they have shipped a lot of goals and a lot of early goals in games. So get, make him hard to beat, put his benchmark. Interesting to see who his assistant will be, John, 
somebody we know before, probably somebody he's worked with before. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a challenge, um, but there's plenty of games left in this season for him to sort that challenge out. So good luck. Yeah, good luck to him. Um, I'm sure the Welling fans will you know, forget about his allegiances to other clubs, but he'll be fully switched on. And, and you have to say Mark Goldberg, you know, he could have gone, maybe some of the decisions haven't got right. I think I heard him. Um, an interview with him and you know admittedly hasn't been the, the greatest things have worked out for him at Welling but I'm sure Peter Taylor is an appointment that will um, appease the fans especially if they can start getting a couple of early results and I think as well with um, with Mark Goldberg he has said he said on Radio Kent on Saturday an interview that I heard that he is prepared to, to walk away if someone comes in and makes the right offer he says he's turned down um, the wrong sort of people before for the club, and but he is happy to walk away for, for the right thing. It was also his birthday on Saturday. Uh, he was in the dugout and his team lost six 0 so it wasn't uh, the best day for Mark Goldberg. But obviously, he's a, a passionate football man who's who's been around the block, and yeah, things aren't going well for Welling. It hasn't gone well for him particularly since he's been there, but he's had success elsewhere. So surely you can try and keep the faith with him, can't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I think it is. Um, I presume the the Welling fans look at it how much he invested at Bromley and where Bromley are now, that they should be doing things like that. But I think um, he's a football man, Mark Goldberg. You know, some people might not how he how he works, but and maybe he didn't want to go back to the dugout because he was a successful manager, um, and maybe he feels the other side of the of the coin is the best thing for him at the moment. But yeah, I think, you know, I wouldn't have thought there's many people who want to buy football clubs, particularly in this day and age so um, I think Welling you know if Peter Taylor turns into a good appointment the chairman looks like a, a better man so I, I think he's he's made the right decision bringing an experienced manager in so so I hope it works out for him and Peter Taylor because they don't want to be going through another manager Welling they need a bit of stability there yeah they certainly do but uh, yeah we'll see how that pans out and thanks again uh, to the people at Wings TV for that I've also done, done a bit of moonlighting with Welling this week Matt uh Nigel Jones from uh, the Welling United podcast uh, asked if I could be on uh, and, and actually said some very nice things. He said that, uh, among other things that he said about us, Matt, he said that you and I inspired him to start doing his podcast. So uh, we think this I is like a silly him. football show, but it does uh, it does inspire people to do other things. And, and you know, we, we had quite a good chat, actually. We were talking about all sorts of things. And I was saying, you know, how it's really important um, to, to, to do things like this. And he was asking how we kept going through lockdown. I said, well, to be honest with you, there were some weeks where I really didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, but we, we we managed to do it. And I look back now and I don't know how we did it, but uh, that will be released later on in the week, I'm pretty sure, uh, that, that interview. So you'll be able to hear me actually being interviewed as opposed to me being the interviewer. Wow. So that should be fun for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's great. Well, I've never, I don't think I've um, ever sort of, what's the word? Um, been, uh, uh, what can I think of the word? It's late now. Think of the as, as a sort of um, guest. It was what's the correct word? I've really um, been a. Let's read it this bit out. Uh, well, well, I'm delighted that somebody thought our thing was good. They took it on board. So good luck to Welling uh, Wings TV and their podcast as well. So uh, fair play to them. Yeah, you never. Uh, but basically, you've never been an inspiration before. Inspiration. That that's the word. Yeah, that the word you were looking for for about five. Exactly. Minutes, you might. Yeah. You, you probably edited that other bit out. Yeah. Inspiration. Yeah. yeah but it, yeah, no, nobody's never been inspired by me in any single way, so uh, that's good to hear. Well, you inspire me every, every day, man. Oh, thanks, mate. But yeah, yeah, you have to say that. Yeah, no worries. So I did say that you're a very nice man on the on that podcast. 
podcast. I did say that repeatedly, actually. So, uh, but yeah, so I'll let you know when that one comes out. Uh, let's move on then to another interview. We're just kind of flitting around here a bit today, but uh, we're moving back to back to the Eastman League Premier Division uh, for our next interview. And it's been a great start to the season for Margate. We're, we're always keeping an eye on Margate. We've always said, oh, there's a bit of doom and gloom there and looked at things. And But so far, seven games, 14 points, a really, really promising start to the season. And as you're going to hear, it's been a, a challenging start to the season for, for Jason. There's lots of new players coming in. And I get the feeling that you're about to hear him say that they're quite ahead of where he thought they might be. So here is uh, the Margate manager, Jason, was speaking to Matt earlier this week. Yeah, really pleased. Obviously, um, that's such a long break from football, where you, you, you put a new squad together and you're not quite sure. You, you obviously have hopes about it, though, mate, but um, you're never 100%. But we've, um, no, I've been really pleased. We've had some good results. Disappointed with the FA Cup, obviously, but uh, league form's been good and uh, we'll give ourselves something to sort of build on. Do you think you, you're overachieving where you want to be after that? I know, two points a game for the rest of the season. You're going to be well, in, well ensconced in it. Do, do you think you're overachieving where, if I said to you at the start of the season, where you'd be now? Uh, yeah, I, I, if I'm being honest, yeah, I, I did an interview before the season started and I sort of said I think it will be a good 10 games before we're at sort of where I think we can be or, or playing to how we can be with the squad we had. As I say, we've got one, we've got Ben Swift obviously and Jack Richards from last season the rest of a complete new squad and Jack's out so realistically it's just Ben um, so it's a complete new squad um, and I, I kind of felt it'd take a little while to get us going but to be fair to the boys it took a lot of information on board and even when we haven't been at our best it, it, we've got characters this year that we can still pick up results so um, no we, I'm enjoying it we, we are ahead of schedule I think but at the same time we say that all day long and as the boys keep saying, they want to sort of push on and, and keep progressing. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can keep it up. Um, I'm sure there'll be ups and downs during the season, you know that. But we just got to keep going as, as we are and, and try and add one or two as we go. And hopefully we can we can stay there or thereabouts. You got a mixture of um, experience and youth. I see young George Lamb. I think he's the son of Paul Lamb, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I played. <laughs> you're showing your age there when you you're oh, playing the sons of players you used to play with. I know, it's, when, uh, it's funny, when he first came in around the squad from the 23s, uh, Paul didn't actually tell me it was his boy, he just referred to him as George and uh, never mentioned it was his son because um, he didn't want to sort of think that it was favouritism or anything like that. But he's, he's come, he's been outstanding, he's only, been, he's only 17 and he's bided his time and I just felt Saturday, even though it was against Enfield or one of the favourites, I just felt he deserved his chance and, and he did not put a foot wrong. He's, uh, he's um, very similar to his old man, his dad obviously I played with was very consistent and level-headed and uh, and George is exactly that but um, probably don't want to kill his dad but with a bit more quality <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but he's, he's a good I'm pleased with him and, and then not only that we had young Martial I was only 18 he come on and got the winner um, so we've, we've got a good blend of, of like you say youth and experience and the people like Ben Greenhouse and Sam Blackman the Lewis Knights they're, they're helping them young boys along and uh, it's, it's, it's a nice um, it's a nice environment at the moment You've got a sort of different structure where you've got somebody looking, to, uh, a director of recruitment, I think it was, and from Steve as well. How does that work with you? Does he sort of advise you on players, etc.? Uh, no, to be honest, with, with regards to Steve, it was, it was something I wanted to do was bring somebody in. Obviously, you're limited to how many games you can get out and watch and stuff. Um, Steve was someone that I dealt with on, on a couple of players that he looked after and I just we spoke about him coming in, um, see how it goes. And, 
to be honest, he kind of will mention the player, he'll go out and watch games and there's other people watching games for us and he'll come to me and say, look, there's this player or that player and then I'll go and rub my eye over him or it might be vice versa where I sort of say to him, look, I sort of, there's a player, can you get can you get him watched from me? So we've just been working together. Um, it's just another, I, I think since I went in there, obviously we've had the whole COVID thing, but I've just been trying to get some structure since I've been there. I, I said earlier on when I went in there, I think there's been so much turnover of players and management and everything and Margaret and it's stability and Obviously, I was at Maystone for a long time and we had things in place there that worked over time. We're getting players in and recruiting, right? And there's no doubt about it. Football's one of the biggest parts as a manager is your recruitment. If you get that right, then, then it'll help you along the way. So it's something I've been sort of keen to do. And this year, we've come in good enough to, to help with a bit of being able to get teams watched. And uh, like I say, Steve coming in and, and different things that behind the scenes that probably supporters don't see that, that play a big part. So... It's a slow process, but it's, it's all helping and it's, it's helping hopefully we can move the club forward in the right direction. You talk about Sasti, you know, 1-0 down against Enfield, one of the favourites to get promoted. It must be a fantastic feeling. Ben Greenhouse still going strong. and A last-minute winner, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, it's a great feeling, obviously. I, I think um, th- they will be up there or thereabouts. You looked at the subs, though, mate. I think I like some Billy Britton and Dale and Lullaby or whatever his name is. Players like that who are... Uh, uh, good players at this level and above so on their bench and we're, we're the opposite we're bringing the likes of Martial and no disrespect to the lad but he comes on and gets the winner but I think like I said earlier we've got a good bunch this year and, and the likes of Ben and people like that who I say they're old they're, they're 30 years old but they've got that experience um, and they're helping the young boys along and, and what was pleasing for me I think we went out the FA Cup we'd lost to Hornchurch in the two days before and you're worried then about maybe the bubbles burst a little bit but the response to go on and not just get ourselves back in the game, but to go on and win it was, was fantastic. And, um, and like I say, and sort of be right up there. But it's, I think it just gives the boys confidence. Even the game we lost against Ormchurch, we, we probably should have got something out of the game. So I think the boys have realised now that, OK, um, we have got a chance of... I'm not, I'm not trying to claim promotion or anything like that. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that my target was to get in and around if we could the playoffs. Um, if we could do that, it would be an unbelievable achievement. But... Um, like I say, it's early days and we've just got, we're just taking it, sort of we're setting the boys little targets as we go over sort of three, four game periods, um, setting them points targets and at the moment they're meeting them, so long may it continue. Yeah, again, I presume it's quite a competitive league, the Kingstonians, the Worthings, the Folkestons up there, you've got to keep on their coattails I presume and see what you can do. We've got to, I think you look at all the teams that are at the top, they've been settled teams, Kingstonian, uh, the likes you've just mentioned there, Worthings, um, Lewis to an extent, I know they've, they've obviously took a lot of the Cray team over there um, the Folkestons they've all settled sides we're, we're like I say we got one player from it last year so it's a new group and it's very thin as I said we need to add one or two um, but they're a good group they're an honest group and, and all we can do is like you say is just, just try and stay in touch and then like you like you know you've been around football long enough if you can get sort of around Christmas time and still be there or thereabouts then um then you can look to hopefully get in the mix and, and see what we can do. But the good thing from the club's point of view, they're not putting massive pressure. They, they've had a few years of, of not not great success. Obviously, when I came in, they were fourth from bottom, I think it was. And So hopefully now we can start to turn things around and just, just have a good season, a good positive season. The, the crowds have gone up, um, which has been fantastic. The atmosphere at the games have been brilliant. And, and I think the supporters are generally enjoying what the team we've put together. So, like I say, we can keep everyone fit. Um, then, then who knows? But we won't get too carried away. I've been around it too long enough to, to, to do that. Yeah, you, you were supposed to be in action today, but the, the fuel crisis has killed a lot of games in the division, or a lot of been postponements, and that. Do you think that was the right decision? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Um, I think it was the right decision. Um, 
my initial response was was I was gutted. Obviously, you two home games, you think back to back. Farah could just yeah. come off the back of a headed defeat. You're thinking, right, this is a good time. Um, but then, yeah, just just being out and about, we we lost Dan Thompson, a centre forward, on Saturday due to he was in London and couldn't get any any petrol to get down. So. I think you forget sometimes that these players don't all live near the ground and this and that. So um, I think in hindsight, yeah, it probably is the right decision. It's just disappointing. It would have been our first game at home under the new floodlights. Um, and I think it was one we were all generally looking forward to. But we move on. Um, it's just frustrating as well. We've got no game Saturday because we're out in the FA Cup. So it just, although we've been on a good run, it just kind of puts that little uh, gap in between games, which as a manager you don't really want. But it is what it is and we've just got to, uh, got to deal with it. Would you, I think it was um, East Thurrock requested the postponement would you have been happy to play but as I say a lot of clubs yeah. have been criticised because I think Herne Blair are playing Ramsgate and they said oh it's only five miles or whatever it is between them but yeah players don't live actually at the ground do they these days nah, no you have to remember that I mean we've got a lot of players that come from London and stuff so even them getting down to Margate like I say Dan Saturday so yeah it, it was East Thurrock's choice we would have we would have played it um, but I think by this point, I think everyone thought there'd be a bit more petrol diesel <laughs> floating about, and uh, there seems to not be still. So um, I think it probably is the right decision. Like I say, it's just it's just disappointing when you when you've had a good positive result on the Saturday, you kind of think we'll turn up Tuesday night, might get a good crowd, first home game, um, night game, and it didn't happen. But um, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 I suppose it's the right decision in the long run. He's on good form there, Matt, and and I think. You know, he, he said, well, I, I thought we'd wait and see 10 games and see where we are. Well, here we are seven games in, and I think he's looking a lot more positive than I thought he might have been. Yeah, we've been, we've been pretty critical of Welling, uh, of Margate over the season. You know, they've flattered to deceive a little bit, haven't they? And the players they brought in, you know, you think that under Steve Watt they had it, and you know, Steve Watt was doing a decent job. Chase Saunders has come in, and I, I sort of like the way they've brought in players who a little bit hungry for it. Uh, players he's worked with before, people like Embry, who, you know, he had before at Mace, that didn't really work out. He's come to Margate, scored goals. Youngsters are coming in, which is really good to see. So, yeah, again, the one thing, of course, you never ask about Margate is, is what's happening with the ground, because that does, never seems to be um, what's mentioned, what's going on there. But on the field, um, there seems to be a sort of a link between the supporters and the fans, which which is good to see. And, I think the key is is making Hartsdown Park a bit of a fortress again because since I've had since I've had the three G, I don't think it really has been. But the players he's got in um, and the performances, great result against Enfield, coming from behind with a youngster getting the winner, with a youngster playing, making his debut at fullback, a promising signs for Margate, I have to say. Yeah, and and you said there a mixture of youth and experience, and that's exactly what the the key is, you know, and. Many of those players, they're not necessarily household names, big stars, but they are players who are giving their all for Margate. And the feel-good factor is the important thing for Margate. I mean, I I remember when they won promotion through the playoffs from the Ismail League Premier Division and, and the feel-good factor and loads of people in every weekend. And, and that was great. That was really, really good. And, and the club seemed to be on the up. And obviously, they lost their funding and it's all been set back uh, from there and it's just amazing to see how, how a few results and, and everything just changes for them and and it's been a, a, a really really promising start to the season I'd imagine he kind of glossed over it but the biggest disappointment for him at the moment has surely got to be that FA Cup defeat yeah well look at the league Mercer down the bottom as well that was a maybe a real blip on it from that that was the only disappointment because again another side desperate for a for a cup 
cut run again, get to get try and get to the you know d- deeper into the tournament. Yeah, that's the only thing. But I think a crack of result. Enfield will definitely be one of the sides up there. So that was a really really good result, and I, I'm really pleased for them as well. So and, and if you want a, a manager to galvanise a club, Jay Saunders has probably been the one who did it for Maidstone from that. And if he can do that for Margate, Margate probably can, you know, they are with the fan base, they could definitely support Conference South football pretty easily. And we'd see when they're in the glory days of all those in the conference, they would get a massive gate. So yeah, I think Jay Saunders is the proper man for it. Uh, Galvanising the club, keep up the good results and keep them going. And if they get into the playoffs, I think that's a fantastic season for them. And there's no reason what early doors why they can't. No, absolutely. Unfortunately, at the other end of the table, uh, Cray Wanderers are continuing their disappointing run of form, beating 2-0 uh, at home on Saturday by Brighton City Region. And they've been in action tonight, Wednesday uh, as well. And they have been beaten by five goals to three at home by Wingate and Finchley. Uh, two goals for Anthony Cook and another for Adam Coombs uh, in that. But th- they've got to stop... Spin. Sorry? How many league defeats is that on the spin? It's got well, to be four or five, hasn't it? Yeah, they're, they're, it's not going particularly well for Danny Kedwell uh, and his team. They've certainly lost their last six league games in a row. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's been a very, very frustrating period uh, for Danny Kedwell and his team. Hmm. I don't know what's gone on there. Cause, you know, the teams they played early doors, were, were, well, they played against Lewis, didn't they? They win at Hornchurch, was it? Or... Beat Lewis and beat Hornchurch, yeah. yeah. Two, of the, two of the sides are in the top eight of the table. Uh, but then since then, they've lost to Worthing, Margate, Potter's Bar, uh, Corinthian Casuals, now Brightling Sea and Wingate. So it's pretty uh, it's, it's, it's pretty worrying because Danny Kebb, obviously a new manager. Uh, and when you're starting out and you've lost six league games in a row and been knocked out of the FA Cup in that time as well, you've got to find a win from somewhere. And, and when you haven't necessarily got that experience of a manager, you must he must be wondering where that win's going to come from. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think Cray, have, I don't think they've assigned a club who's going to panic. And I'm sure Danny Kedwell will be a de- is a decent manager and will continue to be. They've just got to try and get out of this rot a little bit. Yeah, I'm quite surprised, really. I thought um, they'll be doing a little bit better. But I don't know what's gone wrong there. But conceding goals is an issue as well, clearly. Absolutely. They go to Carshalton on Saturday, so it doesn't get any easier for them. Uh, no other games in the Eastman League Premier Division for our teams uh, on Saturday. And then on Tuesday, Margate travel to Corinthian Casuals. Uh, so that'll be another tough one for them uh, as well. But Jason Warners, as we say, is is, is feeling chipper. Uh, into the Isthmian League Southeast Division then, uh, where some of our teams, well, there weren't many fixtures on Saturday. There were just the two uh, in the uh, in the division on Saturday uh, involving Kent teams. Anyway, uh, Sittingbourne were 2-1 winners over Phoenix Sports and VCC Athletic had a brilliant result. They beat Seven Oaks Town by five goals to nil. Uh, really good result for them. Uh, then obviously all of the games on Tuesday and Wednesdays, not Wednesday night were completely called off due to the uh, fuel crisis, which is currently going on. If you've, if you've been living in a box for a week, uh, that's what happens. Uh, the rest of the teams in FA Trophy action, we'll move on to that shortly. Uh, on Saturday, uh, it's Ashford against Three Bridges, Burgess Hill against Faversham Town, Chichester against Sittingbourne, East Grinstead against Herne Bay, Lansing against Seven Oaks, Phoenix Sports against Hayward Heath, Ramsgate are home to VCD, and Whitswell Town against Cray Valley. And then on Tuesday night, VCD at home to Burgess Hill Town. Uh, obviously, Whitswell Town there, Matt. There's been some uh, some big news there with Lloyd Blackman moving on. Yeah, um, we spoke to Lloyd a couple of times on the show. Yeah, disappointing. Results haven't really worked out. Um, and he stood down. Where, where 
where do they go from here? Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, we always seem to get one Kent side struggling in this division, don't we? <laughs> mm. Does, you know, we've had it before. Ramsgate was struggling before. Yeah, he's a good good man, Lloyd. Um, just doesn't really worked out for him. I don't know if it's been a struggle getting players in and other sides of, you know, you know the location, other pl- sides of picking up players that maybe they could have done before. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, disappointed for him. Yeah, and I just wonder, you know, Whitstable Town have come out of the um, Southern Counties East League while we've been doing this show. They got promoted a couple of years ago under Scott Porter. And, and now that it's back to the drawing board for them, a disappointing start to the season. And it, it is just one of those, again, where it just hasn't worked out for them. And with two relegation places and two teams going into the playoffs, you, you do start to worry, even at this early stage of the season, unless they can go and get someone in who's going to come in straight away and galvanise them. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see who gets that sort of gig. Will it be somebody who's managed before? Will it be an up-and-coming manager? Um, you know... I think you maybe just again you, it's such a strange division that one. You could lose five nil one week, then win five nil the next. So yeah, I, I mean just to see any gossip, John, or anybody's coming in there? Anybody sort of seen Do you know I haven't heard a lot about that one actually? Maybe I should try and see if any of my sources have got anything. But no, I haven't heard anything uh, about that as yet. Um, but very interesting to see what happens uh, with that. You well, know, there's got to be someone. Back, out there. He's a good man, and you know we've spoken to him, um, and hopefully this doesn't put him off and. He'll have a break and then uh, he can uh, get back on, back get back in it. Yeah, uh, FA Trophy on Saturday, uh, which will be beaten four 0 at Chichester, which is a bad result for them. Ashford United beat Chalfont St Peter five four on penalties after a one all draw. Uh, Corinthian exactly the same, a one one draw with Grey's Athletic before a five four win on penalties. Uh, Ramsgate beat Sutton Common Rovers by five goals to nil. The visitors ending that goal with eight men. Uh, and Hythe Town were knocked out on penalties as they were beaten 4-2 by Welling Garden City after a 3-3 draw. Uh, there was another game at that level that I wanted to mention, Matt. Uh, what, nothing to do with Kent at all. It was Hanwell Town. Uh, I can't even remember who they were playing. Was it Staines they were playing? After 17 minutes, Staines were 4-0 up in that game. They lost 6-5. I've never known anything like it. And unbelievable. In fact, I've got it there. It was the Eastman League South, South East Central. Uh, at 12 minutes, in fact, Staines Town were 4-0 up. Uh, and then after 42 minutes, it was 4-4. And then Hamwell went 5-4 up. Staines got equalised again to make it 5-0. And then uh, Ogawuchu Obi got his third to complete his hat-trick and make it 6-5 in 69 minutes. And then disappointingly for everybody there, there were no goals in the final uh, 21 minutes. What, what a rubbish finale to that game, eh? How can you be 4-0 up and then... Lose Take back to four all, yeah. I lose, yes. <laughs> um, that, well, Staines, I remember Staines when Dover got promoted a few years ago. Out there, they, they were the big rivals, but they seem to have gone downhill remarkably. So, um, from there, yes, yeah, strange, well, cracking game. What was the did you see what the crowd was there? How many people enjoyed that one? I didn't see how many people were there, but you'd got your money's worth, haven't you? Yeah, definitely, yeah. That's what we loved on league football. Yes, absolutely. I've been through the fixtures for Saturday and Tuesday in that division as well, so that's all good. Uh, let's talk quickly then about Dover Athletic. I really am going round in circles. Uh, beaten by Bromley uh, on Saturday, Matt, 1-0, uh, saved a penalty, uh, hit the post, uh, but Bromley went and then proved that they're a very, very good side uh, with a 3-1 win over Grimsby on Tuesday night. Michael Cheek continuing his goal scoring form. I think it's 7-7 seven seven for him. Uh, just a shame he missed that penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, very good team. Bromley first half, they were much better than Dover. Um, 
We, we said before, did we think, could Neil Smith, there was doubts that maybe would he take Bromley to the next level? Um, maybe we sort of didn't know if he could. Um, now Andy Woodburn's coming in. You know, we were surprised about that. Maybe he is the man to take him to the next level. Because first half against David, they were very good. Very impressed with the, the youngsters they've got in the team. Um, Arthur's, Sablia, the two wing-backs, Whiteley and Coulson, class act. You've got Cheek up front, who's a class act. Decent goalkeeper. Um, they're all in position. Maybe the centre-half position is a concern for, if I was looking at it, that they're going to... I think they're a bit more expansive the way they play this season than before. But, yeah, very, very good team. Um yeah, I like them. They've got a really good squad, really good quality player squad. Um, yeah, I think I think I think they're going to be they're going to be up there. And, and that fantastic result against Grimsby, coming that from one nil down to win three one against a side who haven't been beaten. That really is a fantastic result. And then they're a real club on and off the pitch who are going in the right direction. And I think Andy Woodman, seeing seeing how he was after the game in the, with the press, I think he, he he's the he's the man to take them there and. Could they do a Sutton? You never know. I think um, um, I think they've got a good, they've got a, a quality squad, and you know, they were hanging on the bit last sort of twenty minutes against David, but you could see that you know they're organised and have got some class acts. I know you're always a big fan of uh, of Neil Smith, as uh, as was yeah. I. Um, is this Bromley side better than the one that you saw last season? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, they're the best team I've seen at Crabble this season. Yes, I would say, yes. Yeah. Well, to be fair, half the teams you've seen at Crabble are Dover. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we have seen decent Chesterfield Broadwood, so yes. Um, no, they were a decent team. So Dover probably, had, again, we haven't had much luck this season, um, Dover thing, but, you know, they managed the game well. And if they had the chances, the game would have been to bed before half-time anyway, so probably so. You know, Michael Cheek's a good player. You don't expect him to miss a penalty. So, yeah, but they, they, I think they are a better side from they were. I, I don't, Arthur's in midfield, and that's Sabri at 18. You know, as Andy Woodman said, you know, they've got big clubs sniffing around him. He probably won't be there at the end of this time next season because he'll be a higher level, but he's good enough to run that midfield at 18. He could be the difference for them if, if, he, can, if he can sort of stay fit, etc. But no, no, I was impressed with Bromley, very impressed. And obviously, it's a, a, a tough weekend uh, for, for Dover again. It, it's, it's it's relentless, isn't it, at the moment? And I guess you know that you've got to start picking up some results. Well, yeah, we've, yeah it's going to be tough on Saturday, but the next two home games are against Barnet and Aldershot. And you don't need to be a rocket scientist or a mathematician to work out what we need from those two games. But first of all, it'll be nice to score at home because we've played four home games and we haven't even scored yet. That would be nice, yeah. Do you remember how to commentate on the scoring a goal? I've uh, I've seen him score once, not oh, easily, which is when we were four 0 down. So oh yeah, so that that was yeah that was brilliant for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, so exactly. Grimsby Town is the destination for Dover on Saturday, uh, while Bromley are without a fixture on Saturday. Obviously, it's their time to have the odd game out. Uh, on Saturday, uh, but then on Tuesday night, Bromley are at home to Weymouth, while Dover, as Matt has already said, are at home to Aldershot, and those are the sort of games uh, they have got to be winning. Uh, obviously, then Matt on Monday, FA Cup draw, you'll find out your fate. What do you want? If I'm offering you a free pick, bear in mind you're going to be facing a team, a fellow team from the south. Do you want the lowest ranked team you can get at home? Is that is that your first choice? 
yeah, we've got to start winning matches, get into the routine of winning matches. So um, we'll have two home games in the FA Cup. So if miracles things, we can get six points from those two games. And FA Cup gives it a little bit of momentum. So, yeah, I think it's probably important for Dover as a club to try and get in the first round if they can, just to sort of bring the fans on board a little bit. Because, you know, if we lose to Aldershot and Barnet, which, you know, absolutely don't want to happen, the season really could be over, couldn't it? You need something to do on that basis. So, and I keep saying, I don't know if this is just me. I've probably mentioned this before. Um, it's not just me trying to keep the faith. If we didn't have minus 12, I would not be worried because we're playing quite well. We just haven't had much luck. But I don't know if that's just me trying to keep my own pecker up saying we're going to be okay <laughs> or not. So I don't really know. But yeah, yeah, I think a cup run will be great. And if you offered me the third round and we away at Manchester United, but we got relegated, would I take it? I don't. Probably, yeah. <laughs> well, think, think of the money that that the third round tie at Manchester United will pay you. You're fine. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, it certainly would. Uh, let's move on into the scaffold then. Uh, Southern Counties East League again uh, hit by postponements uh, midweek um, by the uh, the good old fuel crisis where a lot of games uh, were called off. Uh, but let's go back over the over the results uh, that we've had over the course of the week because there has there are a lot of games in the FA Vars on Saturday. It went well again. I'm delighted to tell you. Uh, so in the FA Vars on Saturday, AFC Vardinians nil, Kent Football United five. Uh, Punjab United were knocked out. They lost one nil at Collierswood. Uh, it was Irithtown two, Sheppey United three, uh, Greenways two, Forest Hill Park three. Uh, Staples Monarchs got a last minute or, or last minute late winner. Kieran Pallet scoring that goal. That's a name I know, Matt. Uh, scoring that goal for for Staples Monarchs as they beat Halsham by two goals to one. Holmesdale beat AFC Croydon by four goals to nil. Uh, Lordswood made it through four two on penalties after a one one draw with Seaford Town. Here from Belvedere, 5-0 winners at Loxwood. Uh, all five goals there coming in the first half. Uh, you'll be disappointed, Matt, that May and Baker got knocked out. Uh, they lost 5-0 at home to Glebe. Uh, Midian VP were beaten 5-1 at home by Shore. It was Rains Park Vale 4, Wellingtown 0. Uh, Rochester made it through 8-7 on penalties after a 1-1 draw with Chesterton and Hook. Bryden Ropes on 3-1 at Saltdean United. It was Snodland Town 4, Sutton Athletic 1. Uh, Tunbridge Wells beat Canterbury City by four goals to one. And five goals again at Stansfield, 5-1 winners uh, at Worthing United. Uh, good run of success that. The draws we made for the next round, the standout really uh, is Sheffield United getting another team from the scaffold uh, in Forest Hill Park. And Chatham have come into that as well. So uh, th th there's lots of exciting ties. We'll discuss them as they come round. Uh, all in Saturday in the Premier Division, it was Chatham 3, Kennington 1. In the First Division, FC Elmstead 4, Faversham Strike Force 0, Lewisham Borough 2, Westside 1, Tooting Beck 3, SC Thamesmead 2. Uh, and then on Wednesday night, there were actually some games. We managed to get some games played uh, on Wednesday. Two in the Premier Division uh, and one in the First Division. It was Rostell 2, K-Sports 3 in the Premier Division. Tower Hamlets 1, Holmesdale 3. And Staples Monarchs were beaten 2-1 at home by Larkfield and New Hythe. Uh, so plenty of action going on there and, and some really good results in the bars, Matt. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, I'm pleased. I don't, I don't know what the level of some of the teams they're coming up against are or quality they are, but plenty of goals in there and and we're delighted. As we said before, there's no reason why teams in the scaffold can't 
do well in this competition. So um, I'm delighted with that. I see Canterbury played and lost 4-1. We haven't had more, any more news about them, have we? No, we haven't. Um, but the, it seems that they are they're fine to play for the rest of the season. So we shall see uh, what happens. Beckenham also made it through, incidentally. Uh, they managed to see off uh, Hassocks and book their spot. I do have the draw in front of me for the next uh, for the next round, so we will just run through it very quickly. Uh, Holmer Green is the next destination for Glebe. I've got no idea, Matt, before you ask. Yeah. Uh, also, no idea of uh, where Tunbridge Wells are off to because they're away to Hilltop. Um, That's on um, Hilltop is the uh, thing on um, Walking Dead. Um, Maybe they're I, playing the Walking Dead. Yeah, well, that'd be a t- that'd be a really tough game, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, Southall against Irith and Belvedere it's Pagham against Snodland Town Stansfeld against Staplehurst Monarchs United so that's an all Division 1 tie Sheffield United as I mentioned at home to Forest Hill Park Chatham Town come into the competition they're at home to Arlesford Town Homestale against Athletic Newham Milton United is the destination for Bride and Ropes it's Harefield United against Kent Football United uh, Deal Town and Kennington both come in at this stage and get paired with each other uh, Frimley Green against Rochester United and Lordswood will travel to Crawley Down Gatwick uh, while Beckenham, as I say, are also through, they will go to Clapton uh, in the next round. So uh, some interesting ties there. Those ties we played on the 23rd of October. So we've got a few weeks uh, before we have to worry about those. But 17 scaffold sides through. That's pretty, pretty impressive. So well done, everybody. Uh, in that, hypothetically, there are some fixtures on Saturday. Uh, in the scaffold and midweek as well. So on Saturday, Premier Division, Beerset against Irith and Belvedere, Canterbury City at home to Irith Town, Deal Town at home to Glebe. That's a big game at the top of the table. Uh, Fisher against Chatham Town. It's Hollands and Blair against Crowborough Athletic, Homesdale against Lordswood, K Sports against Tower Hamlets, Rustall against Kennington, Tunbridge Wells host Punjab United in Wellingtown take on Sheppey United. Uh, then on Tuesday night, Crowborough Athletic against Irith and Belvedere, Deal Town at home again against K Sports. It's Glebe against Rustall, Kennington against Hollands and Blair. Lordswood take on Chatham Town. Punjab United host Tower Hamlets. It's Tunbridge Wells against Beersted. Wellingtown against Irith Town. And on Wednesday, Canterbury City host Sheppey United. First division fixtures as well. Chessington Hook against Staples Monarchs. Croydon against Lartford and New Hythe. Uh, Forest Hill Park against Brydon Ropes. Lidtown against Greenways. Meridian VP against Tooting Beck. Rochester United host Westside. SC Thamesmead against Fabrician Strike Force. 2pm kickoff that one on Saturday. Stodland Town against FC Olmsted. Stansfeld against Lewisham Borough. And Sutton Athletic against Kent Football United. And then on Monday, Greenways host Sutton Athletic and it's SC Thamesmead against Meridian VP. And then on Tuesday in the first division as well, we've got Larkfield and New Hyde against Lidtown. Tooting Beck against Chessington and Hook. And then there's five more games on Wednesday as well. Bryden Ropes against Stansfeld, Croydon against Forest Hill Park, FC Armstead against Kent Football United, Faversham Strike Force against Snodland Town, Staplehurst Monarchs are at home to Rochester United. Uh, so still early days in those league tables, Matt, but is anything standing out for you in, in the scaffold? Let's have a look at the league tables here. It's late, late now, John. I'm getting tired, mate. I thought you might have just nodded off when I was reading out those fixtures. No, the, I must have opened the, the, made a bit of noise because... Um, the dog wanted to go out, so he's, she's been asleep on the sofa. Um, it was uh, Glebe against Deal was a big game, isn't it? Massive. <laughs> but yeah, so um, uh, again, I suppose you, you look at it, Chatham have still a few games behind. Holmesdale have played 11 games and Chatham have played six. So again, the league's sort of a little bit. Yeah, I think, um, again, plenty of goals. It's a, it's a good division. Will it settle down? We'll still settle down for a few more weeks. You know, I expect the Chathams and the Sheppies still to be up there. But if Deal can beat Glebe, that really does put down a marker for him. 
Yes, absolutely. Well, that's pretty much it for the football chat. I think we've been through, we've pretty much exhausted everything there. And uh, yeah, this hasn't been our finest work tonight. Has no, it? exactly. No. I was about to say that, mate. People might yeah. have switched off, so maybe nobody's listening by now. So. No, uh, it's yeah. been, uh, yes, it's been very tough. Um, I should just mention Beckenham Town are away on Saturday. They travel uh, to face Molesy uh, on Saturday, looking to keep up their good start to the season. They are Beckenham Town flying the flag. They're second uh, in the Combined Counties League uh, with 22 points from their eight games. Uh, it's not a bad start, is it? But they're two points behind Badshot League, won all of their games so far. So it's it's pretty tight at the top there, but Beckenham will be really pleased. And, and Molesy on Saturday, bottom of the league, they've lost all their games. You would like to think that Beckenham will be continuing their good form. They're 39 goals they've shipped uh, in their 10 games as well. I've got, got goals if you want them at Beckenham then. Molesy used to be quite good. They did. I remember them being in the... Uh, Southern uh, in in the um, Ryman League as it yeah, was. Yeah, now I think you're right, John. This has been our finest bit of work, so we better just uh, <laughs> roll it off back to television. Did you watch Vigil? Uh, I did. Yeah, we got that finished. Watched all of that, uh, so that was quite good. Did you rate it? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, did you not? Well, it seemed a bit strange that you could bring down a um, a submarine if you start just pump getting a spanner and whacking it against pipes. Yeah, you know? I think my, I think my biggest thing about it was it was quite formulaic at times yeah. because it kept going. Oh look, here we go. We've got some, uh, you know. Oh, this person's a wrong one. Oh no, they're not. Oh, this person's a wrong one. Oh no, they're not. This person's a wrong one. Oh no, they're not. Do, do, do you know what I mean when I say that? It was yeah, it was very yeah. formulaic. It, Every episode it, it, it was like oh, it could be them. No, rather than six. That's probably fair. Yeah, and you knew they were going to end up together at the end as well. So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we're it was it. now, but nobody's listening because it's been rubbish this one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it then. We don't really have much else to say. It's, no, it's no. well past your bedtime. It's, it's pretty much past mine. Uh, I've got to be up very early in the morning, yeah. so that's going to be a, a barrel of laughs as well. So that's going to be great. Uh, but yeah, thank you everybody for listening. We do apologise for the quality of this week's Kennedy <laughs> podcast. Uh, we'll be back to form next week. Uh, we'll our... work out what time we can do. Of course, um, well, hopefully we would have scored at home, mate, so I'll be a little bit more cheery. Yeah, that'd be handy. Yeah, f- fingers yeah. crossed. I mean, Tuesday night is a big game for you, isn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Tuesday's a massive game for us, John. So, yeah, uh, you know, if we bring six points out of the next two home games, it gives us a chance. If we don't, it could be a long old season and we're just playing for the Cups. Absolutely. Well, you can find us on Twitter at Kent and L Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, search for Kent Only Podcast. I'm at John Phipps81. Uh, Matt is at Matthew underscore Gerard. Uh, again, we do apologise uh, for this week's, uh, the, the quality of this week's show. It's been very much thrown together uh, late in the day, but uh, we will try and do our best to, to be better uh, next week. But thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks to our guests, because we did have two really good interviews there as well. Uh, and thanks to our friends at uh, Wings TV as well. So, um, yes, yeah, so thank you very much uh, for listening. And we'll speak to you all next week on the much better Kent Norley podcast. Maybe if you just listen to the interviews and just skip what we say, probably people will do that anyway. It may be better for you.